using your dogs on me every time I come home once two o'clock in the morning. You're fucking evil. You're an evil fucking life boy. You're fucking evil. Yeah, you're evil. You're fucking evil. You're your brain is fried because you're fucked all fucking day. You're fucked all fucking day. Yeah, you shitty ass motherfucker. You're fucking evil. You shut the fuck up. <laughs> All right, where's my response? I got work to do. Incorporated in 1875, proclaimed as the city of destiny, Tacoma has maintained itself as the city of grit. Tacoma kept its in-your-face artistry and individuality that sets it apart from anywhere else in the world. Our never-say-die attitude continues to this day. We are honored to bring to you those who live in Tacoma and its surrounding areas, whose contributions are what bring this city to life. The reputation is real. Welcome to the Grid City Podcast. Here are your hosts. Welcome to the Crit City Podcast. My name is Justin. With me is Scott. Hello. And uh, also Jeff. Hey, how's everybody doing? Doing pretty good, man. And with us today is Isaac Olson. Isaac, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing really good. And we're going to get into your stuff uh, very soon, very soon, because I'm really, really excited to have you here. Um, but that there, that, that was my neighbor. Nice. Um, this is the neighbor that I think, have I talked about her recently on the... I don't think you have, man. Okay, so she's, uh, I've been living in my place for about two years now. She is absolutely insane. Um, living on the east side it's uh, of Tacoma. It's a little. Uh, it's a little interesting, and uh, technically, we're on Puyallup tribal land, mm. and so it's just kind of a weird area where they don't bother with doing anything with the roads. It's or the laws, or the laws, <laughs> or dealing with maybe the homeless encampments that are uh, down in the little gorge by our house. Uh, and so, this lady has taken upon herself to uh, do a little vigilantism. Which turns into her just yelling off of her porch at the people that may or may not be there. And so the neighbor, which you heard in that, uh, with that little scream at the end. That was awesome. He, he, was, he just yelled at her to shut the fuck up. I've done this before in the past where I just got so tired of her yelling. I just yelled at her and then we yelled for like 15 minutes and nothing gets done. Uh, and that was all day yesterday. Damn. Yeah. I actually, I, I called the cops on her because she started setting off her car alarm as a, as a tactic. To, I don't know, to silence people. I, it's weird. So, that was awesome. You were telling me that earlier. And yeah. I've never in my life thought of using my car alarm as like a weapon. You know what I mean? Like yeah, parking she, in front of somebody's house. When we, came home, setting it off. So when we came home last night from the movie, because we went into oh. the premiere of Penny Palabras, uh, one of our old guests, Ken Carlson, and all those people, they had their premiere. And <laughs> I came home. We got home at about 1230, and she set it off right when we got home. She said it off 15 minutes before because I saw that via our little camera. <laughs> yeah, so I decided to record her <laughs> and I just get into it. fantastic, man. I love the beginning of that. Fucking white boy, dude. That is evil. You're evil. You're evil. Evil white boy. Yeah. Um, Isaac, sir, uh, what do you do? We'd like a, you're a filmmaker. Yeah. And so tell us a little bit about uh, your filmmaking. I make movies, and the shtick is that I'm kind of a one-man show. So that's kind of... That's, that's one of the things I've noticed uh, uh, on the two movies that uh, I have seen, which was Semi-Iconic, which is the ballad of Dick Rossetti, who is a local DJ and pretty big into the music scene and had, I think, uh, even the, the, the movie said one big band. <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> and then the other one was uh, Strictly Sacred, the story of Girl Trouble, which is a local Tacoma band, which you have a bit of a, a blood connection with. That's right. I cannot deny it. <laughs> and so, so how did you get your start doing filmmaking uh, in Tacoma, really? I never left, so that's the Tacoma reason. Though I have made some feeble attempts along the way. I lived in Flint, Michigan for a year, and I made a Ooh. German movie there. Really? But that might not relate to what we're talking about. So. <laughs> but just to, just to try and prove that I, uh, 
I can do other things, and I am interested in other things uh, besides Tacoma, but I am very interested in uh, Tacoma history, family history, and uh, g- getting some of that down for posterity. That's, that is a big interest, so I've kind of been on this documentary jag. Yeah, and these were, these were two really good ones, because first off, um, uh, just talking about like Girl Trouble and the Tacoma scene, I... Growing up, I was never really privy to the Tacoma music scene. I was doing a lot of the geeky stuff. I was playing magic with Brogan <laughs> in you know the back of some of the card uh, card shops and everything. Yeah, I wouldn't. I didn't go to shows. I didn't have the money to go to shows. I was putting it all into into cardboard. Um, but there was a really, and there still is a pretty vibrant Tacoma scene. Yeah, and. You know, the, the documentary work, it's mostly uh, retrospective, so I, I can't speak with any authority on what's happening now, really. Yeah. I knew a little bit about uh, when my brother was coming up, being in bands, mm-hmm. but now I'm not really sure, but I'll make a documentary in 10 years and <laughs> about I'll, the tell scene now. All, I'll tell you all about it. <laughs> so uh, one, of the, one of the questions I had about this is, like, when you, growing up in Tacoma, what was Tacoma like for you in the past? Um, because when I grew up here, it was it was interesting um, for my area, and I grew up in University Place, which was uh, from a family that moved there uh, in the '60s due to military. Yeah. And so we were always kind of a little fish out of water when it came to that place because a little more affluent, and I was not. Yeah, yeah. Um, so where did you grow up in Tacoma? Well, I grew up in uh, South Tacoma. Okay. Like maybe a couple of blocks from where it turns into uh, Parkland or Lakewood, mm-hmm. and the line keeps shifting around, but yeah. technically we're still over the line. Um, although my grandma's not, where the whole Girl Trouble crew like practices even, mm-hmm. is technically over the line. And in that's kind of in the Parkland area? In the depths of Parkland. <laughs> but we, yeah, we grew up in South Tacoma. My family still lives there. They bought this Oddfellows Lodge that they've lived in for, and a lot of this stuff where, where we're recording right now. Yeah. And it reminds me of the house I grew up in, which wasn't a house, it was a lodge. Wow. They built, or they bought that thing in the early 70s. Damn. So that's our family. So it's not it's not a typical. And, and that was an interesting time in like in the seventies. Uh, last week we talked with uh, Dunkelberger, who was who basically mentioned that I mean it was it it was kind of run down, and there was a real there was a real issue with Tacoma, like even surviving. And it was not until the eighties with the, the the Tacoma Dome and the revitalization projects where you got it with there. So like getting a giant house like that. It, it seems completely un, you know, like just not feasible at this point in time. No, but then it was like because there's just so much land, there's so much stuff that you can just get it. it yeah, it was easier to kind of be offbeat. Yeah. back then, and that's that's kind of how my folks played it. And uh, Tacoma, as you're saying, Tacoma is like a scary place. I I'm too young to really remember any of that, but I've he- heard some stories from. <laughs> From the Girl Trouble crowd in particular, <laughs> they thrived on that. They, it seems like they really did, especially based on the movie. Yeah, it was a dump, and they loved it. <laughs> and I would have loved it too. Is it like like playing this audio here? Is there anything? Did you have any interactions like that growing up in terms of dealing with neighbors that are may or may not be completely and utterly insane? Uh, not until I was living in my own apartments have I had ah. experiences like that. But I'm, uh, I kind of wish you had told me that you were going to have uh, this audio featured. I would have brought my own uh, clip from my vast archive. Really? I've made recordings like that for almost six or seven years, <laughs> closer to ten. Since, since I've been living on my own, wow. I've, I've recorded my neighbors. <laughs> I, there's a very voyeuristic aspect to what I do. I understand. Yeah, like even watching these movies, I can see that. I might have to uh, bug you for a clip that we can kind of throw in here on that. Oh, I'd be happy to. Provide. All right, yeah. So at this point in time, we're gonna I'm gonna throw in a little clip right here. Yeah, and, and uh, I promise it's a good one. Debbie won't believe me. I have I've got fucking witnesses. Uh, so why you fucking bitch? You put the knife in my throat. When I put the knife in your throat? I out real quick. Goodbye. When I put the knife in your throat? I Really? Sick of this bitch. Sick of this fucking bitch. Little popper. I don't care. Let his ass go to fucking Debbie. Debbie ain't gonna do nothing. And I'm gonna 
tell Daddy. The only reason why he's doing this is because I went fucking sleep with them. Tacoma has its own uh, weird. Um, it really. Uh, is that sure. yelling out there? I think so, man. There's some people out there yelling. Yeah, yeah well, Tacoma. that's Tacoma. Tacoma well, yeah, likes to yell. As I, just as I was walking over here, my studio's like three blocks that away. Oh, and nice. I love, I still love that on a Sunday afternoon, you can come downtown and maybe see three people. Yeah. And I, I really hope that never changes because there's just, isn't it magical? It's one of those things that uh, Tacoma doesn't really have a whole lot of people that come down to the downtown area. Yeah. They're trying to revitalize it and beautify it and all of that. And there's there's definitely a pushback when it comes to those sort of things. And I think even like looking at some of the imagery that you've put into uh, your movies, that you're definitely not down for the, the, the gentrification or the uh, just kind of the, uh, the Starbucksian like well, way that I, people go about revitalize, quote unquote, revitalizing sure. an area. Yeah. And I mean, nobody's really into that, but... I don't know. I could I could spew for an hour on this. Being you know from a long lineage of Tacoma people, these these arguments are almost like off the top of our head. We can just go into them. But uh, I think part of the problem too is Tacoma still doesn't know how to have a vibrant downtown. Yeah. I mean, I'm down for a vibrant downtown, but you know, it's getting there is the they kind of the process kind of cancels itself out. A lot of the times, they think vibrant but downtown would mean bars. And you've got bars, and Tacoma likes to drink, and that's fun. And there's yeah. the breweries, and there's some really good breweries here. But I think you do need something a little bit more. Is there anything that you can think of that you would love to see down here that would bring people, that would show off what Tacoma really is? Well, I don't know. I mean, a good example, though, is uh, me and my girlfriend were doing an art installation down here a few weekends ago, and we couldn't get a cup of coffee anyplace downtown. Really? So it's like, you know, someone's got to make the first move. Well, yeah. in order to have a vibrant downtown, we're going to offer stuff on Sunday downtown. I guess that and is a really good point. You got to push into that. I don't know. They need to charge more parking uh, during I'm, the other days. So on Sunday when it's free parking, it's yeah. the worthwhile. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Make it worthwhile to come down here at least once a week. I love it. Now, um, I want to talk a little bit about, uh, uh, we'll start off with uh, Semi-Iconic. Uh, now, is that, that is the story, the ballad of Dick Rossetti, um, who was also had a little role in the previous movie, Girl Trouble, with Strictly Sacred with that. How did you meet Dick Rossetti? Well, I met Dick through Girl Trouble. Oh, well, all right. They've known each other since the early 90s. And uh, they were big fans of Squirt. Mm-hmm. So I always heard about the guy and stories about his volatility on stage. And um, I didn't meet him until I uh, cast him in my first feature that I did when I was 19 that me and Kurt of Girl Trouble made together. Which one's that? This one's called Quiet Shoes. Oh, and so, okay, so there, there was a spot in there in, in Girl Trouble where it was quiet shoes and it showed like the trailer and yeah. i just thought I, because of the the stylized thing that you've done with with um the the ballad of dick rossetti that i thought it was just something that you, you created for that segment that you want to throw it in there so this was a full movie that you've done yeah kurt kurt has wanted to make the singer girl mm-hmm. trouble kurt kendall has wanted to make movies since forever he he's a aspiring filmmaker himself and he's a movie buff and when i got old enough we would talk movies Nice. Because Kurt and Dale, the two people not related by blood to me in Girl Trouble, they're like uncles, and they even work for my parents. This yeah. thing gets even... <laughs> it, it gets deep with it's, this. Yeah, it's it's tangled up. But uh, So we'd always talk about movies, so then I, as I was young and uh, invigorated about stuff, we kind of decided, well, let's make a movie. And that was... Never, never talked about Girl Trouble related movies yeah. at that point. That came way later. And that was just, it was just fun to go out there and make movies and kind of... Yeah, I was, you know, 18, 19. I was learning how to do it and I had a new camera and I was all stoked and... It, it seems like you, you've had cameras around your yourself your entire life uh just looking at some of the footage from Girl Trouble. Yeah. My family, they weren't like camera fanatics or anything, but... They they are prone to document things, and that's that's kind of something that was always there. Uh, in in, in semi iconic, you have done um, what seems to be a, a stylized version of Dick Rossetti's recalling of his events of his life. Yes, um, Dick Rossetti is a very um, 
I guess caustic person is mm-hmm. the best way to put it. He doesn't. I don't think he necessarily means like he. He's not like being a dick to you. <laughs> he's just being him. Yeah. Um, and it shows in the movie because at one point he's playing the drums and he's verbally accosting a person in the crowd mm-hmm. and spending yeah. time before he's pl- going to play to just lay into this person and then he gets into the song. Yeah. What was it like to work with him making this movie? Well. The main reason for doing the movie is we had already built up a rapport, mm-hmm. a rapport. rapport. So, uh, so I knew it could be done. <laughs> I knew I knew we could work together, and I knew that he trusted me enough that he would kind of leave me alone. He wouldn't second guess too much, nice. and that's key. That's mm-hmm. that's really your biggest hurdle making, you know, a profile of somebody. Absolutely. So. Where was I going with that? What was uh, the question? What was the question? <laughs> what it was like to work with? Uh, oh yeah, what was oh, yeah, I yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks, guys. Yeah. yeah, no, no sweat. So actually, we we never uh, butted heads on anything. Really, nice. it was wow. extremely smooth. But it was mainly because I'd known him for a while, and I was already a fan. And there was just kind of a shorthand there. We are, we kind of agreed like what the tone would be. He would ask periodically, "Well, is this going to be funny? This is too depressing. <laughs> is it going to be funny? But it's got to be funny." And it really was. And I'm like, it, this man. is going to be the comedy of the year. <laughs> and it was, it was these things because it's 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 his history. But there were scenes where he is, uh, you know, voiceovering what is going on, and then people, sometimes himself acting as his dad, yes. oh, were man. acting these things out. That had yeah. to have been fun to do. Oh, it was great. I mean, that was really why I wanted to do the project. There were there are two two tiers of this. The first is the radio tape collection. We can get into that later. But yeah. the other was I knew he could play his dad. You know, they're they're similar personalities and I'd heard these stories about his dad that he would just kind of tell. <laughs> For years, and they were just incredible, and I would just kind of remember these little things. So when it came time to shoot all that stuff, we didn't even have to sit down and say, well, now we should probably have a scene where this happens. You know, we did an interview first, took some of those stories. I kind of remembered a few other details, like there's uh, extreme high-speed shots in Mm -hmm. the movie of his dad, like, flicking ashes into the palm palm of his hand and then uh, wiping them into the cuff of his pants. Yeah. And those are just, like, little details that Dick would remember. And And these these are legit things that he would do. Yeah. Wow. Because I'm watching it, and I'm just like... This can't be real. Oh, it's like, all real, and it, like every little bit of it. And then we get into a little bit of the story about, and we'll we'll talk about the radio tapes. But it was like, like I remember because I know I know Dick a little bit. Like I run with some of the same people that run with him. So yeah. I've spoken with him. So I understand a lot of this. But it would be like, okay, I can't believe this. I can't believe this. But I know this happened. Right. So that means everything else, it had to have happened. <laughs> I uh, yeah. I mean. If he was here, he might be able to clarify some things. But as far as I know, mm-hmm. everything yeah. is based on little... Because that's, that's one of the great things he does, is he chronicles these little details. He's got, he's got a working mind um, that just doesn't stop. And you can, yeah. you can really see that by the amount, of, uh, the amount of musical acts that he's been a part of and oh, continues yeah. to be a part of. And uh, Part of my entry point for being a fan of Dick Rossetti, like a diehard fan, is Frank Zappa. Okay. Do you know anything about the guy? A, a little bit, yeah. Well, these two are eerily similar. Really? In approach, in uh, temperament, in uh, level of control, background. And I don't think he's really a fan much. But, <laughs> I mean, I, I could write a thesis on... On why the two like Just they work that, together. So that yeah, is yeah. exactly that's my entry point into the Dick world because the guys had twenty, thirty bands. The same material gets recycled over and over and over again, but it's never the same. And <laughs> you want to just dwell on which members were in which ensemble and what they brought to the table. And this song performed by this group differs from this for these reasons and this was recorded back in the 70s but now it's on this album uh, 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 wow so. see because i know that right now because i know that he's in a band called ball bag yes ball bag uh i know that he has done twink the wonder kid <laughs> yeah and i know of squirt but i mean there's so many more that- there's comb over there's buzzard 
There's root beer barrels, <laughs> Guns and Rossetti. Oh yeah, he did Guns and Rossetti. Um, I remember that now. And there were two versions of Twink that were completely different, had nothing really? to do with each other. Yeah, one was a three piece where he played the drums, and one was a traditional four piece. <laughs> way and back when. And so, he, was he mainly a drummer then, or is he mainly a drummer? He he can pl- he's one of those guys that can play anything. Okay, so but uh, I personally prefer it when he's on the drums. Yeah. He's a great drummer. I mean, he can play guitar, bass. He's done all that. But uh, there was this one group where it was a three-piece, and it was him on drums, and he played this tiny little drum set at the front of the stage, and then he just had bass and guitar yeah. like kind of back a little bit. <laughs> so he's and still that, the front man. That's my personal favorite that is amazing. Uh, kind of lineup he does. But and he can play it all. Hey, guys. Do you like board games? Do you like miniature games? Do you like card games? Do you like any kind of game that doesn't require a battery in it? Well, let me tell you about our partner, Wizards Keep Games and Renton. They're up there at 17148 116th Avenue Southeast in Renton, Washington. Go up there, check them out, tell them you heard about them on the podcast. They've got nightly events, they've got magic tournaments, they've got board game days, they've got specials, they've got all kinds of stuff. Go in there, and if you make any purchase over $20, you get an entry into a drawing good for $100 in-store credit if you win. Oh, dang! It is announced at the end of every month in the newsletter, and I heard the owner is pretty awesome. And I also heard that the employees are all right. So, get in there, check them out, have a good time, support a local business, and learn about games. Where can you find it? Online? Oh, yeah. WizardKeepGames.com. Check them out on Facebook. Check them out on, I think there's, yeah, there's Twitter, and there's an Instagram. Perfect. So, get it. Wizards Keep Games. Yeah, them. Hey, everybody. It's Justin, and I'm here to talk about the Lindsay Jackman Group. Now, Lindsay Jackman understands that buying and selling a home is more than just a transaction. It's a life-changing experience, and that's why they have highly seasoned real estate professionals, and they're dedicated to providing exceptional, personalized service for everyone. They take a lot of great pride in the relationships they build, and they're going to work relentlessly on your behalf to help you achieve your real estate goals. Uh, Definitely check them out. You can contact Lindsay Jackman at 253-857-3316. She's located on 7201 Pioneer Way in Gig Harbor, and you can find all of that information just by searching for the Lindsay Jackman Group. Check it out. Dick Rossetti was, um, for a time, for a good amount of time, was a DJ on uh, on the end yeah and uh you had access to the the tape collection of all the tapes that he had yes i'll tell you all about that yes please I, do I, I love to get all gushy on this yeah as well i don't know how many documentarians you know but i don't know this is the shit we live for just or maybe just me personally but like someone's neglected collection it's I, just i, I want to hear yeah it. yeah it's a gold mine it's a treasure trove yeah. of just a look into their life yeah well, and I was I was just finishing up high school when he was on the air the second time because he got fired once mm-hmm. and was off for a year. But the second his second uh, uh, tenure there was when I was like getting out of high school, so I would actually hear him a bunch. I wouldn't listen religiously, but I was aware that you know Absolutely. he was a DJ who was on there. But when he uh, finished, and then we became friends a couple of years after that. I started asking, like, well, do you have any of that stuff? And he and he kind of said, well, yeah, I got a couple things. So he made me a little mix. And it wasn't, you know, oh, like... Oh, cute, a little demo tape. Yeah, it wasn't mm-hmm. cherry-picked or anything. It wasn't the very best, but oh. it was great stuff. And I figured he had maybe 10 tapes or something. But I was always pestering him for, like, well, I want a number two. Like, give me another thing. Just put some more stuff on there. I got to hear it. And he's like, well, let me, I'll see if I can dig it out. And it never happened. And by this time, you know, I would do some music videos for him and stuff. We would kind of collaborate that way. But it got to the point where I said, you got to have more tapes. Like, what do you got? And finally he said, well, you know what? I'll just bring the box over. The you, box. Yeah, you can, you can take it. You can check it out, whatever. So he brought it over and he had like 300 tapes. Oh, shit. And I'm like, oh, okay, this is serious. <laughs> okay, yeah. So he recorded every show. Wow. Wow. And it's not common practice. A lot of <laughs> a lot of DJs record their stuff, but not not at that obsessive level that he did. Yeah. Did now do you know if he actually obsessed over it? Was it like a record, throw it into the box and it's just a thing at that point? I don't think he would uh 
listen to him all that much. Mm -hmm. But one of the best stories that actually isn't in the movie, but what he would tell me is he recorded the show every day. He'd pop the tape out and he'd listen to it again on his drive home. Wow. And if okay. it was a particularly bad show, he would chuck the tape out the window. <laughs> so he so you had so, 300 tapes and there were some that are just well, on the la- side of the yeah, road. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he says there's probably 500 tapes just littered along uh, 405 so just keep all the good ones, right? Yeah. yeah. So there was there's a degree of, of editing he did at that stage too. But I will say too, late in the game, he he uh, admitted, "Well, I've got another box." <laughs> Oh, my God. <laughs> I said, oh, you got another box. And he's like, yeah, but it's from the bad period. It's from the first couple of years. That's probably nothing you'd be interested in. And you're like, no, this I'm is like, exactly well, what. I think I should probably listen to it. Maybe there's something great in there. So you ended up going through countless Ma- Yeah, maybe hours 500 of tapes. Wow. And each tape has maybe 90 minutes to three hours, depending, three shows. Jeez. But I knew that that was the important first step. I had to know exactly what I was working with. So I'd never be uh, sitting up at night thinking, well, there could have been a little thing in there that clarified this part of the story. It was interesting, too, because I see a lot of the uh, the old uh, you do. A, it, there was a lot of um, dramatizations of the recordings. Yeah. And then you look at the actors playing the people. And if you know the people, you're like, that kind of looks Dude, like him. I think that, that was, was fantastic. I kind of yeah. think that's the guy like with uh andrew harms andrew I, was like, harms. I was like is that that's not harms is it and then you get to hear it and i didn't know that they had any sort of like show together i didn't even or at least that they were doing stuff or well yeah they were friends and they would harms would get off and dick or no it was the other way around dick would get off his shift and harms would come on mm-hmm. so they created a little half hour crossover that's oh, called yeah. crossover madness oh really so that's where all that came and from that's where all that dialogue between and the it was two just and it was just dick screwing with harms so bad yeah but it was fantastic no that was good radio it was one of those like listening to that and watching the movie um and he even says so. He was just like, he was always second-guessing himself while he was on the air. And yeah. then getting yelled at by the PDs, which doesn't help right. at all. Yeah. It, it almost, it made it seem like like he, he wanted to, he sort of wanted to do it. Like, he loved the thought of doing it. But when you get into that atmosphere, that it kind of just sucked everything out. But he still kept going with it. And he never really even wanted it in the first place. Yeah, no, it kind of just, you know dropped in his lap the whole DJ career except uh, there's a scene in Semi-Iconic where Dick age 10 is being his own little DJ yeah that audio is also real really yeah how, how the fuck do you get that well and see and this is the whole concept of this movie is if I didn't have t- a tape of it then we weren't gonna do the scene oh wow I mean except for the dad yeah. scenes yeah obviously but <clears throat> the raw material that you use from that is just dick improvising scenes. So there's there's two major set pieces of you know scenes of his dad, and the raw material for that concept is we just let Dick do a ten minute improvisation <laughs> in character and build the scene around that. Wow, some so of those man. those weren't scripted at all. Oh, I was dying in some of those scenes. I was I was laughing so hard, and I know Justin. He was some of them. He was like, "Oh my god, I can't believe an adult would say that to a child." Right, and I yeah. was dying. I yeah. was like, "That is some of the funniest shit I've heard in a long time." <laughs> yeah, so those scenes. No, I thought it was great. Those those scenes were not like scripted out, but yeah. he knew he had to get from A to B. And sometimes he would just kind of remember stuff <laughs> and throw it in there. And his sister did consult him a little bit. She said, remember when he used to do that? <laughs> remember when he used to talk about those bitches at the golf course? Oh, dude, so <laughs> I know, that was he. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, this, this is another uh, testament to that is, you know, Dick remembers these people's names. Really so well. Those, those are important because those were their names. Fonda Mackey, Ilo Boday. Yeah, he was oh, through the whole movie. He was you, dropping us. Yeah, yeah bringing them yeah. right out, yep. right out. Yeah. How, how do you make up names like that? <laughs> but what I, was, what I was coming around to is uh, if we didn't have audio that was real, mm-hmm. then it wasn't worth doing a scene. So if we didn't have a tape of yeah. Dick at 10 years old being a kid DJ 
then I wouldn't have had that scene. And those are those are just amazing. Where it's just it, it's it's little kid Dick just sitting in his room, blasting it out from a speaker to the neighborhood, right? Which yeah. is just fabulous. Which I understand he actually did that too, put the speaker in the window, but. Yeah, I mean, the other incredible thing about hear, hearing recordings of him at 10 years old is he hasn't changed at all. Not really, he's no. Doing the, he's just doing the same shtick, basically. Yeah. His voice is a little higher. That's about it. He's And he's one of those guys, I think he's staying true to himself through all of it. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, that's what you want to do when when you're living in this area and, uh, uh, you know, from, from Seattle. And he came from Richland. Which yeah. is on the east, uh, on the, the the eastern side of the the, the state, but it, it, it's it holds true with all of it. There's especially in the Pacific Northwest, there is a an individuality that's almost, especially with someone like Dick and a lot of people in Tacoma, is the combative individuality. You're not going to take who I am. Go fuck yourself. Oh yeah, and it's really it, it bleeds through on this. Um, with semi iconic, do is there a uh, uh, a release schedule on it. It's not out yet, correct? Or is it? No, no, it's out. Oh, it is out. Okay, yeah. cool. And uh, but I mean, the the reason you probably haven't heard is because it hasn't played much. Mm-hmm. But it will play at the Grand again. I know. Okay, that. yeah, it did play at the Grand. I remember. Yeah. I, I we saw had that our on a premiere there, nice. and we showed it in Portland. Cool. And Seattle and someplace else. Yeah, you'll have to keep in touch with me with that because yeah. I love the Grand. We just recently went there and saw The Room. They had a, yeah, a, yeah, a yeah. special screening on that. And the Weird Elephant stuff we had uh, weighed on uh, for The Weird Elephant. Yeah, I remember you had him on. And it's just, just the beauty of, like, again, it's doing something on a, in a little theater, having a ton of fun with it. Yeah. And it, it, it's, it's cool to see your own project out there on a big screen. Yeah, and the Grand has come a long way. I mean, they are state-of-the-art, just mm-hmm. like the way it, everything looks there. We had a screening someplace else recently, and you forget how good the Grand <laughs> is, how good it sounds, how good it looks. So, I mean, you, you're not going to see a movie look better. It's going to be definitely uh, – it, it's a destination for people. If you're in the Tacoma area, just like we were talking about last week, come down to the uh, the Pythias. Like, they have the openings uh, where you can come in and check it out. And we'll give you a tour in a little while yeah, just yeah. to let you check out how insane this place is. Um, but you want to see this stuff. Like, you want to see some of the stuff that was built around the turn of the century or a little bit later, but still, yeah. like, 80-plus years old. You don't get to see a lot of that anymore. That's you true. absolutely get to. Yeah. Now, switching gears, uh, talking a little bit more about uh, Girl Trouble. Yes. Um, so this is – tell us a little bit about the band from your perspective um, and then just what they uh, – who they are to people outside of the family, uh, uh, that, that sort of thing. Well, Girl Trouble are like a Tacoma mainstay, and they've been playing since 1984. And, I mean, you, you, you said it perfectly a second ago, the whole – defiant stay true to yourself we don't care and they're they're a total model of that they they it's like everything from them has been essentially homegrown built their own instruments uh uh bond the drummer kind of uh forced herself into the band by being the one who would get drums (laughs) the one with a drum set yeah yeah and and like in 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 the movie she realizes like this is how i get into the band and how i hang is like no one else had any drums and no one could afford drums so Mm -hmm. i'll get them and you'll make it happen yep no they're they're the whole diy thing it has lost uh, some meaning nowadays but i mean they they were pioneering that they but but everybody was back then all their all their uh associates at the time you know calvin down at k records and Mm -hmm. sub pop was kind of more of a homegrown thing it was just kind of the that was the mentality then that was the attitude and and they they were even more underground than that and that's why it's also fun making documentaries that don't have the typical career arc yeah they were obscure then they were famous then they struggled then then they evened out and now they're doing good or bad, you know. These aren't movies that have story arcs. They're basically you can spend some time in this person's universe. Yeah, it's a that's, snapshot that's into what the they life. Are. Yeah, yeah, and it, it and it was fun to see that because yeah, you you get all of these different characters and uh, stuff in this one really wasn't it wasn't dramatized as much as it was in uh, semi iconic, right? No, there's I don't think there's any. Well, there there is a little bit of dramatized stuff when it comes to Bond's lawsuit that happened about 10 mm-hmm. years ago. 
but a lot of that's real too. And it, it's, you, you kind of notice those things, but then you see all the different characters that are in like uh, Calvin from K records. It's yeah. like, it's like, yeah, this is this is all legit, and these are just the people who were making music because they wanted to make music. And some people were like, "Well, I don't play an instrument, so I'm going to put this together." I kind of don't know what I'm doing, and yeah. they, a lot of people might recognize that. But at the same point, mm-hmm. fuck it. Well, still a relevant message, you know. Yeah, and it, and, and this really chronicles them going from label to label, and the 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 control that they wanted. To maintain what they felt was, and you know, was their identity. Yeah, and it's it's great. Well, and the whole the, I think someone even says it in the movie is it's not like they tried and failed at what other bands achieved around here. They they couldn't do that. I mean, they didn't have it in them. That's not that wasn't the end goal. Yeah, I think they would have liked it if more people were aware of what they were doing. But basically, basically, they did what they set out to. Really, yeah. And it's so. like I, I, one of the, the more heartwarming parts of this and I just watching it, I just have a, a big stupid grin on my face the entire time because you get to see like like them having fun and doing all these things and performing and being out there with this. It's just this wonderful um, bit of like like surf rock and just on their own on their own vibe. Um, but then you find a, a person who's a fan and they have a fan in it from uh, that found them not really that long ago and all things considered yeah. and who just found him out and then was like, Oh, I love you guys. And then just becoming, you know, a friend and they're just like, Oh God, good friend. You know, this, now, now I'm a friend and hanging out. And because well, and that's always you liked they, our stuff. That's always how they've operated too. You know, if you're, if you're in girl trouble land, you're all in, you yeah. know, they'll, they'll invite you over to movie night. It's not, <laughs> it's not just, well, okay, we'll see you at the next show. I mean, like pe- pe- the people that are in, they're really in. Yeah, and that was and like not being like privy to the, their musical style uh and cuz I listen I listen to shit. But this is a lot of fun and it's great because I I didn't even realize that it was out there and so I I you can find their album on Bandcamp. I did it. I got hit or quit it, right? I spent spent the money on that. You can just listen to it all the way through and it's just it's just fun and it's good. And now my next goal is now to hopefully see them live. I yeah. want to see them live. I'll let, I'll let you know. They, it's it's less and less nowadays, but I, I which have, is understandable. And I have I have an inside track on uh, <laughs> on Girl Trouble Matters, you know, just mm-hmm. because. And uh, but I can assure people that uh, they're they're gonna have nice. They're gonna have another another boom time. Great, I can nice. feel it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, growing up around them, what was it like being the, you know the the nephew uh, and hanging around these people? It, was it was it any different, or was it just family who did their thing? Well, I'm. I don't. I don't know anything about typical gro- growing up life, but <laughs> yeah. I mean, I loved it. It was great. There were always people around. Not just them, but just other. Uh, the house was never finished that we were living in, so like there was always construction going on. My folks run a magazine publishing business downstairs in this building, and that's so still going on to still this going day. On today, wow! I work for him. Nice. So, and it's like everybody just does that work for it. Yeah. The Three out of four Girl Trouble members are full, fully yeah, yeah. employed by my folks. And they seem super, I mean, like even uh, um, the, the, the lead singer, he was just like, it's like, I'm not part of the family, but I am. No, he is. Yeah. But. And at that point, it's just, it seems like, it, like, and even they're talking about how much time they spend together. And it's, and then they go on tour and like, how do you not murder somebody being spending that much time with them? Yeah. And they've, and, (laughs) and they've, uh, even their fights by comparison are not, are pretty tame, you know, but it's just that family thing, you know, you commit to it. You're either in that or you're not, they are so in it. But, uh, I, you know, I just went over there the other day and we're all just hanging around and Bond goes over and hangs out at Kurt's place, and they watch biker movies. And nice, it's still the same. What was it like to sit each member down, and you're doing these interviews with them, and having them going over their life and giving their life story? That was probably the hardest part for me and them because uh, th- they were a little bit uh, reserved about this whole idea when when I was putting it together, and it wasn't that they didn't trust me to like 
well, maybe they didn't a little bit at mm-hmm. first. They were just like, oh, we don't need a movie. Nobody cares. You, you get on that whole bandwagon. Yeah, Nobody cares. Why do we need a movie? Well, why are you doing this? Blah, blah, blah. Well, I don't know. So by the time the interviews were probably done in the last four months before the thing came out. So they okay. were done really fast. They were So they were more just kind of clarifying stories I already knew. I don't think I learned one thing interviewing them. <laughs> I knew it all. I mean, like some things got clearer, but I knew everything. These are stories I've been hearing for 30 years. And there, there's footage in this. And is it like with Dick Rossetti that this is all legit footage that has uh, been stored over the years? Yep. And that's wow. to me, that's that's the reason you make movies like this. You can't. I mean, yeah. I mean, you've seen Netflix. You know the kind of crap that they're mm-hmm. they'll just per- push perpetuating out, perpetuating nowadays. Out there, yeah, you know, not every topic needs a movie. Shock. It's like, <laughs> but it just doesn't. You know, it's like if I'm pragmatic about this stuff. If you don't, if you don't have a solid something to start with reason for doing it yeah then there's really not a reason to do it so if they if they hadn't you know been really good at documenting things keeping everything it's kind of a hoarding kind of thing yeah yeah and you, and and you see I that got, in the movie I, yeah and i got it too i got it too i'm i'm learning to be better about it but uh that's the mentality but that if produces you, if the if they result. didn't have that, if they didn't have all of that stuff, you would not have gotten any like some of it's fantastic. It's it's some like someone has a camcorder on a real kind of just dropping somebody off from their house with their guitar. It's like, hey, I hope your guitar mm-hmm. still works. Yep, yep. Like, or and then it goes into like one of the first shows where one of the guys is lamenting. It's like one of the camera guys. I wish I, w- I wish I didn't hate all of the other bands because the last <laughs> band that were there with was Nirvana, and I wish I would have taped them. I was just <laughs> taping Girl Trouble stuff. Yeah, yeah, that's my dad actually. Really? Yeah. No, he's he's told that story for years. Yeah, it's he's like I taped the show and. The first band that played, I was like, ah, they were, they sucked anyway. I didn't tape them. Oh, it was Nirvana. Shit. <laughs> and like Girl Trouble has been with some, I mean, they were on Sub Pop for a while and, yeah. and, uh, and went with all of that. And they opened and played with uh, uh, a ton of bands that reached that upper echelon, especially when grunge got you know, exploded and everybody wanted a grunge band. Um, and they kind of just, shied away from all of that but they have played in the northwest and i mean you know in europe and everywhere as as well uh, with with some of the some of the biggest names out there oh yeah and i and i feel really it's kind of sad that they don't like i didn't know about them and i feel like people more people should know about them yeah well uh i mean it's it's a two-way street it's not the, you know it's not that you know they've been I mean, the case in point is only one of their albums is available, the yeah. one that Kay re-released. Mm-hmm. I hope that we can uh, rectify that uh, in the near future. I do as but, well. Yeah. I really but all the, I mean, all, do, the, yeah. all their stuff's out of print. So, I mean, it's... And this new era of, like, you know, things being more readily available. The, digi- I th- I the think digitization they, I think they should give that yeah. a shot, you know? Well, I thought I heard them on Spotify. Did you? I, th- I heard one of the albums on well, Spotify. Well, it's, pro- it's probably yeah. the first one. Yeah. Uh, that uh, Calvin re-released and did a great job with that. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that that is one of the best ones. I think my personal favorite is uh, uh, New American Shame. It was the third one. That was, I think in the 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 in the in the movie it was one that Bond was really happy with as well. Yeah, and I was kind of looking it up, and the only one I could find was Hit or Quit It, which I'm like, yeah. fine, I'll take that one as well. But yeah, so yeah, don't don't worry. I think I think something's gonna happen with that. That'll soon. It's fantastic. Um, Girl Trouble, uh, it, well, it is <laughs> strictly sacred, which is the story of Girl Trouble. Um, you can get it. You got a f- fancy ass Blu-ray out there, uh, and uh, it's got a bunch of bonus material too, as well. Correct? Yeah, it has maybe ten hours of stuff. Holy shit! Really? Yeah, you I haven't looked at that. It I watched the movie a couple of times. Now I got even yeah, more I stuff know. I got to get into. <laughs> yeah, yeah, dig into that. That is amazing. Yeah, my was- idea with this release is this is like my final statement on uh, Girl Trouble archival matters so you got the movie and then if you want to deconstruct and see everything in context it's all on there like every piece of footage you can see kind of a whittled down but more complete version of what was really going on mm-hmm. so yeah you stick that second disc and it just goes by year it goes like every oh, year wow, from okay. uh, 84 to the present day actually it might start in 1979 because they were doing a bunch of stuff then too. really yeah wow so you can really just see like kind of all the stuff I was working with to put it together. 
And that's, I mean, uh, seriously, like, uh, super impressed with all of it. Um, Thank you. Uh, I know that you can find it on their page, which is wig.out.com. Yeah. Uh, where else can they can they find uh, the, the DVD and also Dick Rossetti? I'm working on that as we speak. But All right. the, your best bet for now is to go to their site, mm-hmm. and you can buy it there. Perfect. So well, I'll get that link to you. Yeah, no but, worries. Uh, no worries. We'll post that up on the uh, Grit City Facebook yeah. page. Where can people find you uh, online if they want to uh, bug the hell out of you? God, this is, like, really pathetic. Like, there's, <laughs> there's hardly don't, don't find me. Hardly don't. anywhere. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm working on that, too. It's, it's hard to do these giant projects and, uh, Understandable, and sell yourself yeah. at the same time. I'm not as good as that. I'm getting better. That's one of the hardest things uh, to put do, it out just there. Just do it. You just hit me up on Facebook. I'll write you back. There you go. It's perfect, man. Yeah, <laughs> no, it was great because we saw all this. And Jeff, you can tell us a little bit about the story about like how you found out about Girl Trouble because you're the one who uh, hipped us to all of it, man. Yeah, I went to Rainier's game and it was like the seventh inning stretch and it was like records day or whatever. So they're playing these records and I heard this sound and it's the type of sound I like to hear. And I look up on the big screen and I saw Girl Trouble, but I was drinking. So I didn't know if that was the name of the band or the name of the song. So about three days later, I remembered. I said, oh, I remember this song that I liked. And so I just hit, hit the web and I found it. And then I was so impressed. They were from Tacoma. And then I saw the trailer for the documentary and I was going, Oh my God, this, these guys are great. And, uh, yeah, he sent, he sent me a message. Oh, he sent Scott and I both a message and it was like, you, you gotta see if we can get these guys on. And I'm like looking at this video cause he sent the, the trailer from YouTube. And I was like, uh, the band or or the the filmmaker and then I started kind of digging into your you know stalking online a little bit and yeah, digging yeah, yeah. into the, uh, the the videos and I saw all these things I was like no shit I really want to get Isaac on I really want to check this out and like talk with you about this well in the future if you ever want to get them on they're a pretty entertaining interview oh wow. absolutely yeah, those I, guys can talk man yes that will we're gonna have yeah, that to, would be a blast yeah, we're gonna have to do that and uh like Again, I'm probably going to gush again, just like I'm doing with you. But at this point, because it's it's fun to see people in Tacoma, like in this in this area, making art and doing what they want. And that's really what I want to see out there. And I want to find out about this. I want to discover that shit. Yeah. And and you're making it happen. And with them doing it for 34 years now at this point, it's amazing. They would be heartwarmed by this whole story right here. Oh, good. I'm glad. I'm, I'm really glad. I, sent, I, I liked him on Facebook, and I sent a message, and I'm like, please read it. Please. No, I'm, sure, I'm sure she will. Bond, Bond handles all that stuff. I'm sure she'll get back to you. I love it. I love it. And again, you can find them, like I said, wig out, uh, wig dot, wig-out.com yeah. uh, and find out everything about Girl Trouble. You can uh, check it out on Facebook as well. They have a Facebook page. That yeah, they, po- they post uh, somewhat frequently on there, mm-hmm. too, so. Did we ask what 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 are you doing next? Yeah, what, what plans oh, do you I'm have do, next? I'm doing a lot. I hope the best of my shit is yet to come. But uh, I'm I'm really prolific in sheer ideas that I start. <laughs> but I'm I'm learning how to be uh, uh, prolific in the stuff that actually comes out. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm gonna do some smaller projects so I can like kind of have something every year because nice. these projects take like two years to make. Yeah, but. Uh, I'm working on, I won't tell you what it's about yet, but do you know uh, Justin Peterson? Yeah. You know the Peterson yeah, brothers? Yeah, we know them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, 11-11 and oh, the Valley. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Justin yeah. and Robbie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, they they dabble in movies, too. Did you know that? I did mm. not. Yeah, they are. They I, knew, I knew uh, Robbie does art. I know he does uh, masks or well, something. Well, they both are. Com- they're so humble about the shit Dude, those guys do. are phenomenal. Yeah. You, they're you so have no idea. about They're like, oh, yeah, we do some stuff. Yeah, you but, talk to them, and, and you're just like, oh, there's normal guys. And then, then they're like, oh, no, we do this, and we do this, and we have this business, and this business. And, and you're like, holy shit, where yeah, do you guys do? Yeah. Wow. They're very renaissance but oh. they also do movies. And they even kind of have their own production company. Really? But I'm, wow. uh, I'm working with them to make a documentary about a very big Tacoma band from the 60s. Ooh. Ooh. Nice. Maybe I've said too much. Maybe yeah, I, I, I might have figured it out there. But. You'll, you'll also catch <laughs> those guys. Um, you also catch those guys at punk shows at the Valley, which is phenomenal. Like, yeah, it, those I, guys I, they blow my mind. Man. I, I saw yeah. Zeke at, at the me, we did. me and yep. Scott saw oh, Zeke shit, at, the, really? at the Valley. The last time I saw Zeke was at El Corazon, which was fantastic. But to see them in that that, that small intimate area with the Valley, yeah, yeah. Was awesome. holy shit, that'd be amazing. Yeah. I've seen some great acts there. There's a there's a local Tacoma band, the Fame Riot, which I saw there, and they were just 
basically hanging off the rafters, just having a blast. And was it that show too? I think. Were you really? Yeah, yeah. I think Dick was there too. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> Although he did he play that show? Oh, did he? Or maybe he was just because I'd feel like a total dick if I didn't recognize and be uh, like, oh uh, hey, oh I see what I did there. Well, you know, but, he, ball bag they wear wigs on stage. That's part of their shtick, you know. Oh, maybe. Maybe maybe <laughs> I wouldn't notice. He got in, he got into this wig thing after playing his dad. He liked it so much that because I got I got to tell you something else about uh, about Dick playing his dad. I was I just said early on, you're gonna play your dad, and that was all we really said about it. Yeah. So then the time came where okay, you have to get your dad outfit together. Yeah. I decided to just let him come up with his own wig. I decided not to make sure it looked good. Just so let him do whatever I just, he yeah, because I it. figured that you know the 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 folk art aspect would just come through and it would be true because it was Dick's representation of his dad, not mine or anyone yeah, yeah, else's. Yeah. He arrived as the character, so whatever it looked like, we couldn't go wrong. So the wit, he just he got a wig and just like cut it, you oh, know, man. and then you now can, really enjoy his wigs. Yeah, yeah, and he thought it was weird and stuff. But after that, he said, you know, I. I'm going to start wearing wigs. It's, I really like it. As a, as a bald man myself, I've thought about it, but those things are fucking scratchy, man. I'm not down with them. You got to talk to him about it because he's, he's really come around. and Yeah, ball bag, part of their shtick is they halfway through their set, they put on their wigs. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Man, I love the weird world of like just the Pacific Northwest, man. Uh, Isaac, again, thank you so much for spending some time with us. Is there anything else you want to say before we get you out of here? I can't think of anything. Uh, I'll I'll get you that piece of audio that you're going to stick in. I think you'll like that. But, yeah, uh, definitely excited for that. Yeah. Thank you so much, man. Thank you. You've been listening to the Grid City Podcast. Check them out at gridcitypodcast.com. Yeah.